Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Let's make it easy. Because <laughs> there's the easy way and the hard way. Why fight him? I mean, that's absurd anyway, right? The clay complaining to the potter. I don't like this. I don't like what you're doing here. I'm certainly not fond of being put on this wheel and being spun around a thousand miles an hour on my head spinning. <laughs> what are you doing, Lord? Everything's just spinning out of control. No, I'm, I'm conforming you and making you more like Jesus. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Jeremiah. Everyone is fearfully and wonderfully made. Being shaped into what God has designed us to be has never been a comfortable or enjoyable experience while going through it. God shapes us and conforms us through many experiences to make us what He wants. Today, Pastor J.D. explains how those trials form our lives. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah chapter 19 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. There's the easy way and the hard way. Come on, you bear witness with this, right? (laughs) I mean, what is it about us that we only learn the hard way? And Jeremiah just heartfelt has been wanting them to choose the easy way. Because you're going to get fashioned either way, but you're going to have to go into this captivity, this Babylonian captivity, and God will fashion you, but He's going to have to use that method instead. And you brought it upon yourselves. And Jeremiah is actually in agreement now with God, and conceding to God, okay, now I understand, Lord, why? So you're going to judge him. Uh, It's a little chilling, isn't it? Pretty graphic, right? It's going to get more graphic. Chapter 19, verse 1. Thus says the Lord, go and get a potter's earthen flask and Take some of the elders of the people and some of the elders of the priests. And verse 2, go out to the valley of the son of Hinnom, Ben-Hinnom, which is by the entry of the Potsherd gate, and proclaim there the words that I will tell you and say, Hear the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring such a catastrophe on this place that whoever hears of it, his ears will tingle. I mean, we would say it in our day this way. It's going to make your ears ring. Catastrophic this catastrophe that I'm going to bring on this place. Now, I don't want to take too much time on it. Time doesn't permit. I know we've talked about it. This valley, for those of you that have been to Israel with us, um, it was actually the valley of hell, really. (laughs) It's where they would 
sacrifice their babies to the uh, god Malech, which was a, an iron statue with arms stretched out. And there was a fire in the belly, which is by the way where we get that expression. And they would sacrifice their child, burn them alive in this valley, Hinnom. And when you're on the outskirts of Jerusalem, you're looking down into this valley. And then it would subsequently become a rubbish, a dump site, where they would dump all their broken pottery, and they would burn it. They would burn all of their rubbish. And the fires and the smoke that would come out of that valley would burn day and night. And this is going to come into play here in a moment because of what they did in this valley in their worship of other gods. Verse 4, because they have forsaken me and made this an alien place. This is foreign. Because they have burned incense in it to other gods whom neither they, their fathers, nor the kings of Judah have known, and have filled this place with the blood of innocence. Those are the babies. They have also built the high places of Baal, the Canaanite god associated with Malach, to burn their sons with fire for burnt offerings to Baal, which I did not command or speak, nor did it come into my mind. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that this place shall no more be called Tophet, which is in the original defined as fire, or the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter. And I will make void the counsel of Judah and Jerusalem in this place, and I will cause them to fall by the sword before their enemies, and by the hands of those who seek their lives, their corpses. Talk about graphic. I will give us meat for the birds of the heaven and for the beasts of the earth. And here it is again, verse 8, I will make this city desolate and a hissing. Everyone who passes by it will be astonished and hiss because of all its plagues. And verse 9, I will cause them to eat the flesh of their sons and the flesh of their daughters. And everyone shall eat the flesh of his friend in the siege and in the desperation with which their enemies and those who seek their lives shall drive them to despair. This would literally happen when the Babylonians came, exactly as it had happened prior when the Assyrians came. I'm not going to go on that one. I think it speaks for itself. This is what happens. This is how it ends. This is what rejecting God looks like and ends like. Now he's still talking to Jeremiah when he says, verse 10, then you shall break the flask, that clay vessel that you got. We've got this visual prophecy, and you shall break the flask in the sight of the men who go with you and say to them, 
Thus says the Lord of hosts, Even so I will break this people and this city as one breaks a potter's vessel, which cannot be made whole again, and they shall bury them in Tophet, till there is no place to bury. Think about this. You've got this clay pot. It breaks. You're not going to glue it back together. It's done. It's no good anymore. It's just thrown into the rubbish. The visual, you're this clay pot that's now broken, unusable. And this whole time I was pleading with you to let me fashion you, shape you, mold you, make you my work of art. We're His workmanship in the original language of the Greek New Testament. That word for workmanship is poema, where we get our English word for poem. We're His work of art. And faithful is He who began the work to complete it. But they rejected it. They fought Him, they resisted Him, they rejected Him. And so now, what am I going to do? I'm going to have to do it this way. This uh, clay vessel that I'm going to break and throw into the valley, that's you. It's a visual prophecy of what's going to happen to you. Verse 12, Thus I will do to this place, says the Lord, and to its inhabitants, and make this city like Tophet, and, verse 13, the houses of Jerusalem, and the houses of the kings of Judah, shall be defiled like the place of Tophet, because of all the houses on whose roofs they have burned incense to all the hosts of heaven, and poured out drink offerings to other gods. Then Jeremiah, verse 14, came from Tophet, where the Lord had sent him to prophesy. And he stood in the court of the Lord's house and said to all the people, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring on this city and on all her towns all the doom that I have pronounced against it, because, listen, they have stiffened their necks, that they might not hear my words. That's why. Chapter ends, sort of how it began, as it relates to the clay's unwillingness in the potter's hands to be shaped, yielded, molded, fashioned, into a usable and beautiful vessel for His good, His glory. Before we bring it to a close, I want to share with you about this well-known hymn of old. When I was about 10 years old, my mom made me take piano lessons. And she made me learn, she actually paid me in quarters from the cash register in our cafe, which I would then in turn quickly use to play pinball and foosball. And, uh, but she paid me in quarters to learn to play hymn number 272 in our hymnal. The hymn is, Have Thine Own Way. 
Now, some 50 years later, I have that same hymn book. And this hymn has become one of my favorite hymns of all time. I mean my favorite hymns of all time. Have I no way, Lord. I hope you'll kindly indulge me. I want to read the words of this cherished hymn of old. But first, I want to share with you the story behind it. You know, a lot of these hymns have some pretty powerful stories behind them, how they came about, and such is the case with this one. It was Jeremiah 18 that actually set the scene for this hymn. It was written by Adelaide A. Pollard in 1902, after she was inspired by a simple prayer of an elderly woman at a prayer meeting who prayed, It really doesn't matter what you do with us, Lord, just have your way with our lives. Have Thine Own Way, Lord, was composed during a time when Miss Pollard was trying to raise funds to take a mission trip to Africa. Her unsuccessful attempt to do this left her experiencing a distress of soul. This crisis of the soul and the simple prayer of an elderly lady provided a setting for personal reflection on the will of God for her life. After the prayer meeting, she returned home and wrote the hymn as we sing it today, Have Thine Own Way, Lord, which I want to share with you. I won't sing it, that would totally ruin it. But I do want to read the words to this classic, timeless hymn. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will, while I am waiting, yielded and still. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Search me and try me, Master, today. Whiter than snow, Lord, wash me just now. As in thy presence, humbly I bow. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Wounded and weary, help me, I pray. Power, all power, surely is thine. Touch me and heal me, Savior divine. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Hold o'er my being absolute sway. Fill with thy spirit till all shall see. Christ only always living in me. Oh, thy will be done, Lord. Have thine own way, Lord. Forgive me, Lord, for fighting you, resisting you. I want to cooperate. (laughs) I mean, after all, I'm just the clay. You're the potter. Lord, I know that you want to make me and shape me and conform me into the image of Jesus, because that's your purpose. Romans 8.29, by the way, right? 
which comes after verse 28. I know that's deeply profound, but God's going to work together all things for the good to those that love Him and are called according to His purpose. And then verse 29 tells us what His purpose is. His purpose is to conform us as the potter does the clay to make us His workmanship into the image of Jesus. He's making us more like Jesus. That's why He takes us as the clay and He starts that process. It's very painful. Let's cooperate with Him. Let's make it easy because <laughs> there's the easy way and the hard way. Why fight Him? I mean, that's absurd anyway, right? The clay complaining to the potter, I don't like this. I don't like what you're doing here. I'm certainly not fond of being put on this wheel and being spun around a thousand miles an hour on my head spinning. <laughs> what are you doing, Lord? Everything's just spinning out of control. No, I'm, I'm conforming you. And making you more like Jesus. And then He's got you on that wheel. And then as the potter with the clay on the wheel, He'll take now His hands, His ever-loving hands. And it, it seems hard, even cruel, because we're spinning around, and then He takes and He just jams His hand. But He's shaping, He's making a beautiful shape. Oh, and this after he's taken that same loving hand of his, and he just, I mean, jams it in, and he gets all the gook out of it. What are you doing, God? Oh, I'm making you a usable vessel for my glory. And I'm not done yet. I know you don't like it. I got to get this out of you. And then I've got to do this to you. And so he's shaping us as the potter with the clay on the wheel, and he's making this beautiful, beautiful vessel for his glory. It's his work. We're his workmanship. And now it's, it's shaped, and he's got it exactly the way he wants it. Now this presupposes, like we just started out in chapter 18, that it doesn't just kind of crumble, and then he's got to start all over. Because the clay isn't cooperating with the potter. So he's got the shape now, beautiful. Oh, it's perfect. Why? Because he's perfect. And then the wheel starts to slow, and then it stops. And we're like, oh, thank you, God. We're not done yet. Because into the kiln you go, appropriately named. You know, are you having high school flashbacks? A kiln. Can't you call it something else? You're killing me, God. I know I have to. I have to refine you in the furnace of affliction. So the heat gets turned up. I've shaped you. I've made you. Now we're going to do the finishing work on you. So into the furnace of affliction we go, and the heat gets turned up, and it's solidifying that beautiful vessel that he's making. And then all of a sudden the heat starts going down, and we're taken out, and now the finishing touches. 
the colors, the ornate etching and artistry on the exterior. And then when he's all done, come quickly, Lord Jesus, (laughs) he takes and he puts his name on his work or his workmanship. This is uh, number six again, the ironic blessing. We really kind of stop at the Lord bless you and keep you and make His face shine upon you and lift up His countenance to you and be gracious unto you and give you peace. And then we forget what comes after that, because see that was to be pronounced on them every time they would assemble at the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. So in other words, if you went to church more than once a day, you heard that every single time, more than once a day. The Lord wanted His people to know that He wanted to bless them. And by the way, please, this is so common, it's a horrible mistake. Do not put the word may in there. It's not there. May the Lord bless you. No, the Lord bless you. The the jury is not out. The verdict is in. The Lord bless you. It's not, boy, I sure hope the Lord blesses you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. We don't know. It's kind of iffy. No, the Lord keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and give you peace. Oh. But then He says, I'm going to put my name on them. Now, in our culture, we totally miss this, the importance of this, the significance of this. Because see, in that culture to this day, you're associated by the name, because the name is the nature. So in my culture, in the Arab culture, it's more honorable to address me by the name Abu Ilias, the father of Elias, my firstborn son. It is more of an honor than it would be to address me as Pastor J.D., because see, you're associating me by the son's name, and so too with my son, the son of Joseph, Jesus, the son of Joseph. The name is on them. This is why in that culture, the boys who carry on the family name are valued, because of the name. And what God is saying is, I want to put my name on you in Revelation. (laughs) He gives us a new name. I cannot wait to see what my new name is going to be. I've never liked my name, Frog. I've never liked that. Tadpole, Ribbit, Kermit, I've never liked that. I was teased about that growing up. I'm scarred from that. I just want you to know. So I'm going to get a new name. And is that not what we do when we get married? The wife takes the name. My wife has never forgiven me for this. You know, her maiden name was Lynn. Ah, so nice, Lynn. And then she marries me and it's now Farag. It's like, (laughs) but he's our bridegroom. We're the bride. He's going to give us his name his nature. He's going to put his name of ownership on us. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. 
You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to this study in the Word of God. As you continue to learn from the book of Jeremiah with Pastor J.D., don't discount the things you're hearing. God may be speaking to you individually today through Scripture. We encourage you to keep reading on your own, too, to further understand what you've heard in this edition. If you're not already part of a local church that you call home, we encourage you to find one and attend regularly. This only helps you grow in your relationship with God and others. If you don't have a church home, come be a part of ours. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions, to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can also access more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like the one you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates. In addition to that, you may be interested in the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This is a simple guide to understanding the good news of salvation in Jesus. As we continue to learn from the book of Jeremiah together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. Would you let us know what those prayer requests might be? Just fill out the contact form under the About tab at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Or come find us on social media. There are links to our Twitter and Instagram pages on our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. That's all we have time for today, but thanks for listening to this edition of In Spirit and Truth. Holy me true.